I'm Satya Nelms, and this is Our Mother's Gardens. On this show, we discuss the seeds our mother sowed in us, the ways we have grown, and how we learn to blossom. In this space, Black women that have learned to define success on their own terms share stories of their beginnings, healing, and thriving. Welcome and thank you for being a part of this community of mamas, grandmamas, aunties, sisters, cousins, daughters, and friends. All right, Jaleesa, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast and welcome to our Mother's Gardens. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Jaleesa, and I am a performing artist and educator. Mm-hmm. So I'm based in New Orleans, and currently a lot of my work is dance, burlesque, and then both youth and adult education. And then I dabble in other things here and there. Nice. What else do you dabble in? Um, currently... I've been delving a lot deeper into herbal medicine Mm -hmm. um, and folk remedies. Mm -hmm. I've been making a lot of tinctures and body butters and other solutions to help my friends and family. Nice. And when did you start doing that and what sparked, you know, the interest in in beginning that? I started in college, Mm so almost eight years ago now. Mm. Um, and I started particularly making body butter because I was tired of buying lotion. Mm. <laughs> and I, and I had also like just gone natural with my hair, um, and was looking at ingredients and, um, really wanted to make a better lotion. And so I went and based on everything that I'd been reading about hair regimens and all of that, um, started just like dabbling in things. Mm-hmm and seeing what worked Mm -hmm. and then I was a broke college student and so I decided to make a bunch for my friends and family as gifts Mm -hmm. um, instead of buying gifts and they loved it (laughs) enough to be like you should be selling this and so I did (laughs) nice (laughs) so speaking of um, friends and family how do you define the word mother what is a mother Um, mother to me is caregiver, is, in my life has been support system, Mm -hmm. um, has been mirror, and I I would say, like, my first, like, relationship uh, challenge. Mm. Mm. There's a um, thing that my friends and I have regularly been talking about recently where um, we believe that like our children come to heal our mothers and our lineages. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm in a space where, like, both I and a lot of my friends are at the age where they're, like, now coming up against and in conflict with mothers, particularly, mm-hmm. um, around, like, things that might be necessary for family healing. Mm. 
Gotcha. My ancestral healing. Mm-hmm. That's oh, yeah. wow. I'd never, yeah, I'd never considered that, you know, possibility that relationship between a mother and her child. That's really, that's really fascinating. Um. So who, you know, who is your mother when you, you know, and how has your understanding? of who your mother is, how has that evolved as you've gotten older? Well, I'm part of the evolution for me is that I have multiple parents. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. And so I have three amazing women in my life who I consider mother Mm -hmm. um, and for whom my relationships have kind of shifted. Mm -hmm. Um, But my biological mother... Mm -hmm. um, I would describe her as a really emotional and strong-willed woman Mm -hmm. um, who is really about family and community at her core Mm -hmm. and is ultimately, like, the biggest giver and supporter that I know. Mm -hmm. And how would you describe the other two mothers that you mentioned? And how did they um, come into your life? An overarching theme is that I have had like a really, really, really supportive system mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my parents know that I'm doing burlesque, for instance. And my uh, brother's mother, who is one of my moms, is on my Facebook regularly liking almost every post that I make, no matter... <laughs> burlesque or otherwise um it's like always there's virtual support and she's kind of been that way um my whole life because she was always in a different state than me mm-hmm. um and she is another strong-willed woman mm-hmm. um who is I would say long-suffering mm. um in ways that I wish she didn't have to be mm-hmm. um and then but always comes from like a place of love and supporting a family, mm-hmm. um, and then my—I hesitate to call her my stepmother. She's just my other mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I get that. Is is a more like quiet support system. So she came into my life when she married before she married my father, mm-hmm. um, as just like a very nice voice of reason when Mm. asked Mm. um, or like when she deemed it really really necessary and other than that was was always just there and present Mm -hmm. if needed Um, she's also another artist um, and dancer and creator and educator as well she runs a daycare Mm. so she's just like a more silent solid support system Mm. And when you mentioned, you know, the challenges that you were coming up against with, you know, your mother as you have gotten older, was that with all of your mothers or one in particular? Um, I would say it was with my biological mother Mm -hmm. more so than anybody else in particular because we've been, my mom and I's relationship has been the closest familiar relationship that I've had. Mm -hmm. Um we like that was who I 
regularly spent like affectionate time with as a kid like every Saturday morning I would be laying on top of her Mm -hmm. um just like cuddling and talking and playing games and um when probably even before but definitely after my parents got divorced it was just us in the house Mm -hmm. and like I regularly would be on her shoulder as she was driving to uh school or to work or wherever we were going, just regularly really close. Mm-hmm. Um, both, like, physically and just, like, in conversation and in trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that originally shifted with Hurricane Katrina mm. and, like, distance um, because I stayed in New York for two years and went to school while she went back home here to New Orleans to rebuild. Mm. And so that distance... Um, kind of shifted things and then as I'm growing and maturing and taking paths that are different than she would have imagined for me Mm -hmm. navigating that uh, relationship has been somewhat of a challenge Mm. so how old were you when you went to New York and she went back to New Orleans I was a freshman in high school so I'm thinking maybe 12 or 13 and who did you stay with in New York I stayed with my aunt so we both um flew up to New York on Labor Day um right after Katrina Mm -hmm. and enrolled me in school and then my mom stayed in New York with me up until about March of the next year Mm -hmm. so a couple months um and then I spent the rest of those two years with my aunt and you mentioned that your mom you know that there may be decisions now that you're that you are making that your mom might not have imagined or you know wished for you um do you think that the physical space that you had from her enabled you to make those decisions or do you think you still would have made them if you had gone back to New Orleans with her I know that's hard to know but what do you think that 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 would be hard to know but what do you think that distance that physical distance you know at that particular time in your life how did that allow for or how did that affect your development I think it definitely created a space for me to be much more independent. Mm. Like, I've been a relatively solo kind of introverted child, um, but I was always around my mother Mm -hmm. um, and always, like, seeking her advice and guidance and being away from her in my high school years especially meant that I had to navigate for myself uh, my like religious upbringing, my schooling, my navigation around boys, mm. um, and it created a little bit of a communication rift because when I was with her, um, her whole family lives in New York, mm-hmm. um, and so she was in New Orleans pretty much with me, um because that's where she and my dad moved. And so whenever she would talk to family and they would give her advice, I guess, on child rearing and things, to me, she could take it with a grain of salt because I was with her. She knew me. Mm -hmm. We were, like, she was able to um, 
be with me and know like intimately who I was and mm-hmm. be able to take that advice and you know mm-hmm. either take it or leave it whereas yeah. once I was in New York whatever my aunt or anybody else said about what was going on with me was more reliable than a now teenage daughter mm-hmm. who might have been moody or less communicative so if somebody were to say that I was boy crazy for instance it was easier to believe that seeing mm-hmm. that my like grades were fluctuating all of these other things um mm-hmm. That I that I can explain now from like trauma, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. um, and like losing a home, mm-hmm. but um, at the time like that wasn't a thing that we thought about. Mm-hmm. So, but the benefit of that for me is that I then like was navigating things on my own, was trusting my own intuition, um, in ways where when I did move back home, this idea of like a bedtime and needing rides and like (laughs) Mm. (laughs) support and like checking on homework and things was foreign to me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and not a thing I was happy about as an older teenager Mm. um and I think like allowed me to then go into college being like oh I know how to budget I know how to do all these things my current trajectory though is kind of foreign for my family anyway Mm -hmm. I'm the first one to graduate from college I'm the freelancing artist and performer, mm-hmm. um, and now I'm also doing burlesque. <laughs> <laughs> None of those things are things that my current living family members that I know of are doing. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even would have conceived of themselves doing. Right. Yeah, yeah. So when did you go back to New Orleans? What when was the first time that you went back to live with your mom, not just to visit, but to spend, you know, to put down roots there again? So I spent my freshman and sophomore years in New York and then came back to New Orleans my junior and senior year of high school. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. So two thousand seven. Hmm. And so how was that, you know, how was that transition with your mom? I know you said that, you know, when you were in New York, parenting you from a distance was a different thing than, you know, the dynamic that you all had when you were together. Were you able to find your way back to the dynamic you had or how did you navigate that? Um, not exactly. I think my mom, to me, became, like, an intruding force. Mm. That sounds, like, really dramatic, but somewhat. Like, by the time I was a junior, I spent two years kind of fending for myself. My aunt would have to be at work really early, Mm -hmm. um, and so she would get home and pretty much eat and then go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And so I was, like, given a monthly allowance to pretty much I was getting my own food and coming up with a budget for myself and mm-hmm. going, like, catching public transportation to school every day and, you know, figuring out when I should go to sleep and wake up. Um, mm-hmm. And so coming back to my mom's house and then having her tell me that I had a bedtime and monitoring, like, who I was talking to on the phone and, like, having to rely on rides to get wherever I needed to go. Mm-hmm. Um and just, like, I didn't want to come back to New Orleans. Mm. I was having a lot of fun in New York, socially at least. Um, my grades <laughs> were doing 
feeling terrible. So it was definitely necessary for me to come back home. Um, but I didn't, I missed my mom, but mm-hmm. I had been used to trying to like fend for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having an authority figure back over like the day-to-day runnings of my life was not caused a little bit of conflict not Mm -hmm. too much but (laughs) caused some conflict and some distance that I didn't really realize or start to uh break down and reflect on until I was in college Mm -hmm. and you know given that the cause of your separation was Hurricane Katrina did you see your mother making efforts to consciously heal from Katrina and how did your mother encourage or aid in your healing from from that experience from that trauma so I didn't really even think about the fact that my grades were dropping all of these other things was related to any type of PTSD or mm. post-Katrina trauma until after I'd gotten to college. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't necessarily a thing that either of us was reflecting on. Mm-hmm. My mom knew that keeping me in New York for those two years while she were built was better than me staying in a FEMA trailer. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And that I would be able to be supported, uh, at least by family members, and not have to navigate the craziness of the school structure mm-hmm. back in New Orleans mm-hmm. um, but we never really like sat down and talked about the distance or like what it meant for our relationship or any of those things really mm-hmm. um, it was just somewhat of a I have a slightly different child now who Mm. <laughs> a little bit more moody and defiant um, and maybe boy crazy as she thought mm-hmm. um, and we need to get her back on track so that she can get to college mm. gotcha so because at, like all in all I was still doing all of the things that she was used to once mm-hmm. I got back home my grades went back up I was taking college classes mm-hmm. we like I was still doing the typical like achievement things that she was used to mm-hmm. yeah I was just moodier about it <laughs> gotcha gotcha so when you reflect on who you were as a child and then into adolescence where were the places where the way you were mothered aligned with what you needed and where were you challenged by the ways in which you were mothered? Um, I think, like I said before, that mothers and daughters are mirrors. Mm -hmm. So I don't really remember ever seeing my mother cry a ton. Mm. But I'm someone that the family considers a crybaby. And yet, um, my mother's really emotional. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that growing up, she recognized that I was just as emotional, if not a little bit more than she was. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there were 
many like acknowledgements of that and like just a lot of support mm-hmm. for that in a sense. Um, mm-hmm. She knew I was emotional, so she allowed me to feel my emotions um, to an extent. Mm-hmm. And like was someone who was always, like I said, physically close and physically affectionate mm-hmm. um, and and giving of herself. Like I would say up until very recently that my mom was my biggest supporter mm-hmm. um, of everything that mm-hmm. I've ever done. Um, and so she's always been there in that way, like encouraging me to dream all the big dreams and do all the things that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the flip side, my mom and my, like really all the women on my matriarchal line mm-hmm. are very blunt and really sarcastic mm. and really fussy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was and am really emotional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and was not able to really like take the like way that that love was shown mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in positive ways at all. Like I think I was really young and like in a mirror talking about how pretty I was to myself, and my mom came in and made like a sarcastic comment about how I'm not that pretty, and her goal was to like not have a vain daughter who's walking around like mm-hmm. telling the world like how beautiful she is in comparison to other people and things like that mm-hmm. but like the result is that I still remember that 24 plus years later yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and like or like any other like list of kind of sarcastic items Mm-hmm. Um, that have been like thrown my way as jokes, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've like realized how much I am that person, like mm-hmm. that fussy person, that sarcastic person, the person who like deals with any type of um, anxiety or anything with like snappiness. Mm-hmm. Um. And I'm working to find ways of being softer with myself and others. Yeah. So circling back a little bit to something you said in the beginning of our conversation, how do you think the way that you have evolved and the woman that you have become and are becoming, how do you think that that heals your mother and heals, you know, something in your family line that needed healing? I I guess I would say that I'm living the most selfish life of my family. Like, a good and I say that in the sense of like self-care and Mm. like pushing for and exploring pleasure. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen my mother give a lot mm-hmm. to people, family members, and, like, otherwise, and not really spend too much time thinking about self mm-hmm. and, like, what she needs. And I would say my aunt has done the same, and my grandmother did the same. There are five children. Um, 
of like a lot of giving and a lot of work, but not really having a space to play and explore pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am definitely pushing for as much of that as possible in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so being the one who's graduated from college means that I do have access and privilege to a lot more in my work life. Mm-hmm. The current career path that I have is scary to my mom partially because um, I don't have a nine to five. Like I don't have a consistent work schedule, which then means that I don't have consistent benefits or all of these other markers that seem like stability to her. Mm-hmm. Um, or like even a partner and relationship that she's like used to or would want for me mm-hmm. for her would equal a level of stability that for me is not like I am in my most healthy, happy space in life. Like I'm using my body a lot. I'm exploring. Um, and that is, doing things for the women in my family that Mm -hmm. is right now looking like a bunch of conflict and Mm -hmm. conversation um about like things about like what sensuality is or what burlesque is or I am also continuing this lineage in my family of like marriage counseling couples counseling Mm. like it's it's very interesting on my mom's from my mom's point of view, I perceive mm-hmm. <laughs> that to her, it looks like I'm in this interesting, like, backslide mm. of weird things that she doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, like, my partner is not in a traditional, like, spiritual faith. I'm doing burlesque, and I'm a performing artist who, like, regularly performs at bars and lounges and stages, and like I'm living with my partner and we're not married and all these other and I don't have a stable job um, whereas from my point of view I can like trace my family's Caribbean lineage to why I'm currently practicing herbal medicine mm. and <laughs> why I'm doing the types of dances that I'm doing mm-hmm. or everyone's current favorite act that I do includes my grandmother's happy dance mm. um, from like her kitchen or, like, the relationship that I'm in is the most healthy relationship where, like, I'm fully supported so that I can be a freelancing artist. And, like, mm-hmm. we're always exploring nature and just, like, spending time with God in other ways than she thinks about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this, like, fear that is that has nothing to do with me mm-hmm. <laughs> that impacts the view of what I'm doing and the only thing that I can do to help alleviate that fear or help um, break whatever like cycle is currently happening is keep doing what I'm doing <laughs> right right yeah and I hope that makes sense <laughs> no that makes yeah it makes total sense and it sounds like you know you healed them and healed yourself simultaneously like you learned a lesson and are living that lesson so that you are breaking a cycle um what are some of the other biggest lessons that you have learned um from the way that you were mothered and from observing the mothers in your life um 
I definitely have learned this, like, service from all three of them. Mm-hmm. My um, brother's mom is a police officer, um, and my other mother is a daycare provider and an artist, and they're all really intimately, like, into working with and for people. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of at the core of everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Even the burlesque work and all of the dance work is about like ministering and helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely got that from my mom. Mm-hmm. Like that is definitely a, a thing, talking to people, working with people. The way I communicate um, is definitely something that has been mothered into me. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think my mothering has also made me reevaluate how I process my emotions. Mm. Especially after my partner came with me to visit my mom's side of the family. Mm. We were both able to like really think about how I respond to things. Mhm. And like what that thought process is and how to like reevaluate it Mm. yeah and I guess do you mean to say being around your mother's side of the family was able to to use you know what you've been saying was able to help you hold up a mirror and see yeah yeah see the ways that you are reacting or the way that they react and being more intentional about those reactions yes yeah. Definitely. Um, both like seeing what it is in those conversations with my mom or with other women in my family that's triggering to me mm-hmm. and my anxiety, but also just seeing how we as a family communicate, which then extends to how I communicate to people who are close to me, like my partner and my closest friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and just ways to be, like you said, more intentional and clear. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I learned that a lot of times the first or second thing that I say, especially when anxious, is not what I actually mean. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it took being there mm-hmm. for my partner to see it and tell me about it. And then also to see how, for him to see how I respond different communication styles Mm. be like oh this is why you shut down when this happens or when somebody talks to you like this or when Mm. like these things happen so let's work on the things that you want to work on to be a more effective communicator Mm. and also think about like boundaries that you need to put up with people Mm. in and outside of family and how do you exercise boundaries with your mother and your mothers how do you do that that's that's tough (laughs) it's it's extremely tough I think um I'm really grateful that we recently had a conversation Mm -hmm. um the gist of which was that we realized that we don't have a close relationship um or in her terms a relationship at all Mm -hmm. um that we don't know how to talk to each other without Mm -hmm. offending each other um, 
that we don't like the fact that we don't have a strong relationship, mm-hmm. that we don't know how to fix it. Mm. That was a conversation that we had a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was great to have that conversation. And also, not too much has changed. <laughs> um, so, recently, my boundaries are taking the shape of not answering phone calls that I know are going to trigger me. Mm. Mm-hmm. I am. I can be the first to say that I'm actively working on figuring out boundaries. Um, <laughs> because I don't actually fully know yet how to respond to things that are not okay with me. Mm-hmm. So my mom um, sent me a picture of my cousin's master degree that she got a couple months ago and we were in like family celebration mode in the text messages like she just told me about another family member that I was an actor so she sends me my like cousin's degree and I'm like woohoo and her response to me is like waiting on yours Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. and I like my first response was not so nice and it wasn't actually helpful. It was like, well, then I'm just not going to go get this MFA that I'm supposed to be applying for in April that you don't know about. Mm. <laughs> Which wasn't helpful <laughs> at all. And then my second response was, well, then I just won't tell her anything about my MFA until after I've gotten it. Mm. And then, but that also doesn't solve the problem. And then mm. I thought about other things to say, and I said nothing for hours. Mm. And then when I woke up the next morning, I sent the word rude. Mm. because we make sarcastic jokes and apparently that was not the right answer either because <laughs> I got an all caps message of what how dare you talk to your mother about that like that mm. I have no idea if she was joking because she then called me later and I was like I don't feel like answering this phone because this is not going to be a good conversation and so I didn't answer mm-hmm. and then I called her back maybe four days later <laughs> and was like are you still mad at me And she was like, no, I'm not annoyed at you. And then we had a regular person conversation. Mm. Mm. That's not the way that I would like to put up boundaries Mm -hmm. with our conversations and communications. But (laughs) it's a little bit of progress because normally I would not say anything Mm -hmm. um, at all. Mm -hmm. And would just spend a lot of time brooding and feeling a type of way and then having that affect our relationship Mm -hmm. I mean I think it's a difficult thing to try to create boundaries with a parent a parent who you know was physically present for you know for your childhood and adolescence and upbringing and a parent you know who may feel like you belong to them, you know, like you are a part of them. Drawing a boundary between someone, you know, between you and someone who feels there is no separation, that's a difficult thing. And to be brought up to believe that there should not be or that there is no separation, that also, you know, makes it difficult to draw a boundary um, between you and and your mother, between you and a parent. Yeah. yeah. I've also come to terms with and started to try and, like, shift this idea that I've, since Hurricane Katrina, mm-hmm. I've been looking to 
re-find this, like, relationship that really is a child and adult, like, mother-daughter relationship and just doesn't exist anymore. Mm. So this, like, grieving process that I've been doing over, like, the shift in my relationship with my mom Mm -hmm. is really about, like, letting go of this idea of, like, Mm. what I would want because what I would want is actually unrealistic Mm -hmm. I'm not an 11 year old who's getting driven to to and from school every day Mm -hmm. so like the physical closeness of our relationship is different the emotional like not necessarily the emotional closeness but the way we communicate is completely different because I'm now an adult Mm -hmm. with my own house and my own partner and my own job and my own like life and so but this like idea that I've been holding on to and I'm like slowly releasing Mm -hmm. is of this same mother who was the mother of like a teenager or Mm preteen and that person like neither of us exists as that anymore Mm -hmm. and so for me it's been a lot of like I don't know what that adult relationship looks like Especially, I wouldn't know what that looks like even if we were in agreement and alignment with everything about the way we carry out our individual lives, much less with the disagreements mm. <laughs> about things that I feel are very central mm-hmm. to how I'm currently living my life. Mm. Gotcha. So how do you mother yourself? I am working on being very soft and loving with Mm -hmm. myself. I have been someone who's been very, like, disciplined and strict and sometimes mean with myself, Mm -hmm. um, especially around ideas of productivity and achievement and emotions and Mm -hmm. things that I should be doing. And so I've been learning to be, especially now that I'm freelancing, softer with myself Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess more like physically affectionate with myself and Mm -hmm. more like caring Mm. towards myself um, and like creating a safe container for me to play. And how do you nurture that kind of mothering within yourself? What environment, you know, do you create? What, you know, energy do you call upon or resources do you call upon to aid you in mothering yourself that way? A good part of it, uh, in the beginning at least, was having a partner who's really soft and supportive and understanding Mm -hmm. and so I've had a lot of times where I've done that first reaction saying what I don't necessarily mean blow up type of thing or being really hard on myself Mm -hmm. it's been beneficial at least for the past couple of years to have somebody who um is not that like is not judging is not swayed either way but is just like there Mm. and supportive for me Mm -hmm. um prior to him though I've done like a lot of work in therapy around like spending time with myself and affirmations and 
like acknowledging the massive amount of work that I've done mm-hmm. both like in therapy and just in general accomplishments and things mm-hmm. um, and trying to create space for that so I have a wall of just like positive things about myself mm-hmm. that has been really helpful um, I do a lot of moving meditations mm-hmm. as well I can't sit still and meditate I will fall asleep Um, but I'm really good at um, either being at my altar um, with some jazz and movement or just like dance for me is something that I didn't have access to Mm -hmm. um, in that period of time Mm -hmm. after Katrina up until college Mm -hmm. and so dance for me is a really and movement is a really good way to be soft and grounded with myself Mm -hmm. and be with myself um yeah and then again like I'm I tend to be like a really practical disciplined person around like things like money and structure and things like that so trusting in my groundedness around like discipline and structures and the like practical realities of everyday adult life mm-hmm. allows me to then be able to like play and go on hikes and <laughs> do other things that bring me joy and allow me to like feed myself and love on myself. Nice. So I have one last question. Um, what is one piece of advice you would give someone about what to keep in mind when they are mothering and that's any kind of mothering you know you have three different mothers um you know you mother yourself what is something that you know you should keep keep in mind that you should center yourself on that you should you know not lose sight of when you are mothering I would say I want to say leaving space to play but Mm. that is not exactly what I mean like Mm. when mothering yourself or anybody else Mm -hmm. to be able to release limitations Mm. is important like Mm -hmm. and not even limitations but expectations Mm. I -hmm. think is important and is one of the things I'm thinking about a lot like as a teacher and as an educator as like a mother of myself Mm -hmm. this idea of like love and care and support and structure but without firm expectation on outcome. Mm. Like this idea of process over like product. Mm. Because a person, ourselves, our kids, our our parents, our whoever we're mothering, like aren't products anyway, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but like that, that, that process of love and mothering is more important than whatever outcome we could perceive. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Mother's Gardens. If you want to support the show, you can make a sustaining donation on Patreon by visiting our page, Our Mother's Gardens. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at Our Mother's Gardens PC. Our Mother's Gardens is a Honey Bunch of Stinkweed production. The podcast features music produced by Pata. 